welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today's conversation is on money. And you might be thinking, why are we talking about money when this is a hormone podcast? Because the thing is, we can't live without money. We live in a capitalist world. We live in a society where we no longer trade goats for currency, we we exchange money. And money isn't a bad thing. It's actually just an amplifier, which we talk about in today's episode. And it's such as another taboo subject, like periods and sex, that we need to discuss more openly. So that's why I invited a money expert on the podcast for today's episode. Laura Ann Moore is a money mindset expert, financial coach, and financial well-being speaker and educator teaching people about finances in a fun, jargon-free, judgment-free way. She was nominated by the British Bank Awards for Online Financial Influence of the Year 2022 and 2023 and has featured on popular radio and TV stations including BBC News. After successfully saving £40,000 by the age of 27, she opened up online and is now on a mission to help people feel good about money, get financially confident and build wealth. She has a community of over 25,000 followers and hosts her own podcast talking all about things, money, mindset, and motivation. In the episode, we discuss a ton of things, but how to budget and how to use credit cards wisely, how to get out of debt, importance of a money mindset, and why it's so much more than what some people talk about online with the law of attraction and manifestation and just saying some affirmations in, in the mirror and expecting the huge check to come through the post. I mean, it can happen, but if we want to be consistently um, wealthy and using our money wisely and having our money work for us, then we need to know some of these tools that Laura shares. She also discusses the difference between investing and saving and why if your money is just sat in a, a regular savings account, you're actually losing money that way and what to do instead. I wish this information was taught in schools because some of the terms only in the past few years did I understand what they were and I've had to do a lot of research personally and I've actually I actually like talking about money now and I find it really interesting and I share a little bit about my experience in the episode too but really good episode overall and if you enjoyed this and you want to learn more about subjects like this then please let me know I want to try and diversify the content a little bit more and this all ties into health because even if you're trying to get healthy you need money to buy things like air filters and organic food and supplements so we want to know the foundations and there's so much more that we could have discussed but Laura was very generous with her time 
and we had a really good episode and she is just an absolute blast and ball of energy and I'm sure you're going to love her as much as I do. So without any further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode with Laura and Moore on money mindset, finances and all that good stuff. Hi Laura, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to learn from you today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, we haven't had anyone on. I, I've mentioned money here and there because I think it's important, obviously, to be physically healthy and mentally healthy. We need to be financially healthy. So this is why I got you on and just seeing you online, I have no idea how I found your page, but <laughs> you just had this like amazing personality and a really good way of breaking things down and explaining things in layman's terms. So I'd love to know how you got into what, you, what you're doing now and becoming a money mindset expert. Of course, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I wonder. I always wonder. I'm like, how do people find me? Like, where I have no idea. It was a from? good Usually algorithm day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I got into kind of doing what I'm doing based on my own personal experience with money, and like, you know, I was I was raised in a family. We didn't have a lot of money. I've got three brothers and sisters. You know, like mum and dad both worked, and I definitely saw. I guess the negative side of money and the stress that it can cause in a family and for individuals. And I started working and I was like, right, I'm going to be an actress. Like that was my, that was my life goal, become an actress. And at the time, so this was good, like 10, 15 years ago to go to drama school, you had to, you had to pay up front. You couldn't just get a loan, like a a uni loan, a student loan. It was 15,000 pounds per year. So I was like, right, I'm not going to go to university. I'm going to get my, you know, I'm going to get a full-time job and I'm just going to figure out how to save that money. And I was a very delusional, like sort of 19 year old. I was just like, let's just see what happens. (laughs) And then between the ages of 19 to 22, I saved 15,000 pounds. And then literally two weeks before I was about to start my acting course, um, one of my best friends was like, do you want to come traveling with me and my other friend? Well, our, our other friend and yeah I had literally two weeks to make this decision and I ended up deciding to go traveling which was the best decision I've ever made in my life and you know I went to Australia Bali Thailand Cambodia like all these amazing places spent all of the money literally all of it and whilst I was there I guess I decided that I was like you know maybe acting isn't for me what is it that I want to do but I also was like oh my god I got to make this decision not based on which one I could afford but based on which one I just wanted because I already had the money and it was this like really empowering like moment of understanding like the positive um, experiences you can have when you are good with money and when you have money so I basically came back from traveling I set up a blog and an Instagram and just started talking about money and it kind of just took off from there really so it was just before the pandemic yeah the rest is history it was just before um the pandemic hit so I then got furloughed and was you know had time to create content and then got my financial coaching qualification in 2021. And here we are. Oh, amazing. I love that. It's all worked out. Yeah. And I could never have like, I don't think I could have ever imagined that it was going to go this way. Like this isn't like I was just writing a podcast, some like a script for myself for one of my episodes. And I was like, if I spoke to me 10 years ago and you said, right, Laura, you're going to be living in London with your mates. You're going to run your own business. You're going to have quit your job. You worked out for 10 years. You're not going to be an actress. You're going to, you know, like you're going to be going around talking to people about money you literally I would have been like what <laughs> it was nice, uh, but you've yeah, done it. 
yeah done it here I am <laughs> and how has your mindset around money changed have you you've always felt like despite your parents beliefs growing up and maybe they had some limitations with how much they could afford um and just having so many kids to pay for um, and yeah. do you feel like your mindset has changed or what have you done to work on that because some people they have the business they have the goals and they just can't get to that next level because of the mindsets holding them back yeah I think when I did my coaching qualification because I was still in full-time employment at the time and I was doing it like evenings weekends type thing I realized that my mindset was that money is really hard to make because my dad was self-employed and yet we never had any money so he's always at the house and yet we were struggling so I was like well money must be really hard to make and that's this belief that I created and it stopped me going full-time in my business for a really long time like you know I, I stayed from the point of setting up my my business or at least running it as a blog to the point that I then quit and went full time it was about three years mm. um and I definitely but then when I did my coaching qualification uh, and you learn about the emotional side of money your money mindset your money blocks I was like oh like I'm I've, I've got this borrowed belief from my dad from what I've seen and how he treats his money that I'm putting into my own work so yeah, I think my mindset has shifted in regards to like how much opportunity there is out there. And like, you don't have to be a certain type of person to run your own business and be self-employed. And, you know, like, and I still feel like I go through it, go, you know, it's like new level, new devil. So it shows up in different ways, but I'm so much more aware of that. And like, I don't have anybody in my family in that respect that is a role model financially. Like, you know, I don't have anybody in my family that runs their own business or does anything like that. So I, I feel, I, I do feel like it was, I had to just kind of go with the feeling and, and and work through those blocks. And yeah, I would say that's definitely probably been the thing that I've changed most with my own uh, sort of beliefs and blocks around money, for sure. You gave some examples in that. So you have to work hard to have money or some other comments like money is the root of all evil. What are some of the ones that you have to work with with your clients? Oh, my God. Any other examples? So many, you know, like a lot of it is to do. So you have the ones around earning money and like, how hard it is to earn money, that there's not enough opportunities out there, you know, those kind of things. Um, the ones around saving money, you know, so like people just being like, I'm not a good saver. I'm, I'm a spender. It's just who I am. Money, uh, money makes you greedy. Money makes you selfish. Money isn't for me. You know, there are literally so many and it shows up in so many different ways for different people and usually results in either people struggling to hold on to money. So struggling to save, struggling to invest um struggling to spend money so you know the belief that you're not allowed to spend and enjoy your money and that money is there that you've got to hold on to it which is definitely what I had from a young age and then the beliefs around yeah earning money and how how hard that can be and you know especially people that are in nine to fives and being like well this is my job this is how much I make and that's kind of what I'm the, the cards I've dealt and you know not thinking about other ways that you can make money and bring money in so yeah the every time I work with a client you know there are current there are certain themes and they always most well, most of the time link back to a how people feel about themselves how deserving they feel of having money or it's like borrowed beliefs from from parents and, and um, things like that so what are the actual truths what are these positive beliefs that we should be having well from my point of view I believe that I believe that money is just a tool money is a tool to help you live the life that you want whatever that looks like money doesn't have to be used in a certain way there's no right or wrong way to spend it it's personal to you but I always say like money is the vehicle that takes you to the destination it is not the destination and you know it's just it's just an energy it's, and and humans attach emotion 
to money. But money itself is neither good nor bad. It's just, you know, this thing that we use as an exchange of value. But yet we attach emotion to it from our own experiences, from our own stories, from our past, from things that we, you know, yeah, experience in life. And the truth is that that money doesn't have to be that. Money can, can be a really positive thing. It can be something that you use to, you know, reach your goals, give you security. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, money doesn't make you greedy. It doesn't make you selfish. It's the person who, it's just money is an amplifier. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bad person, money is just going to make you more of a bad person. And if you're a good person, hopefully money will just make you more of a good person. So this is one thing when it comes to like making more money. And if people, uh, 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 you know, money makes me greedy, money makes me selfish. or And it's that kind of belief. It's like, if you aren't that person, doesn't mean you have to change by having more money. It just means that you can do more good in the world. It means you can help more people. You can give to charity more. You can help friends. You can help family. Um, and that's what I always say, like, I'm not ashamed to say that I want more money. I want my business to be really successful. I want to make loads of money because I know that I'm going to do good things with that money. It feels so, like shameful, though, doesn't it? It's just been ingrained in us to to not talk about it. It's still taboo even still, especially for women as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think like massively, like women have only been included in the conversation of money, like when the last 50, 60 years when you could actually get a bank account without a husband. And so that's a really uh, like short period of time compared to how long money has actually been around in the world. And even that being said, money itself as a concept is still very new to humankind. Like, you know, we, we, we used to trade in goats many years ago. Like, you, you know, I would you love were, that. I love I goats. Know, see, I love goats too. It seemed like there'd be a lot of hard work. But um, so it's still a very new thing. And I do think, especially in Britain, there's a massive, like, the UK has a societal belief around money. You know, talking about money makes you rude or crude. And, you know, it's that classic thing of, um, you know, you go to work if you work in a nine to five and it's like, you're not allowed to talk about your salary. Or if you ask someone like, oh, how much did you pay for your house? Don't ask people that. It's rude. And it's like, why is it? Why is it rude? Why do we think it's rude? And I think these beliefs get embedded in us. Like there are a range of different beliefs and it's you have like societal beliefs, religious beliefs, you know, ones within your community, the beliefs that have been uh, like generational beliefs, the ones that have been passed down from your family and your parents and um, personal beliefs, how you feel and how you feel about how the world works. And they all have an impact on the way that you view money. Um, but yes yeah, definitely a very taboo topic I've definitely had to work on my money mindset just running a business now um, and wanting more success I've realized that if I can't afford to like buy myself good quality food and my supplements and yeah. the gym membership and all of that then I'm not going to be able to help others so actually me investing in myself it's going to make me a better practitioner and get my clients better results too and yeah. um, so yeah lots of money mindset work has been done and it's still ongoing I agree that there's just yeah. it's, something they always have to work on but what do you think about just affirmations alone so there's mm. all this the law of attraction and spirituality side of things and they're just like just put it into the universe that you want more money and it'll come to you like tell yourself in the mirror every day that you're wealthy and money flows to you and I love all of that but I also know that you have to put in the work too yeah so and that's to, exactly you know, your the, opinion yeah that's the same as me like I'm a massive believer in I'm very spiritual mm-hmm. um but I'm also very interested in science and knowledge so I really am like a, a real combination of the two I love the spiritual stuff but I also love knowing the science behind it so understanding how and why the law of attraction works and why visualizations and why affirmations work and the power of them on a biological level so it's not just like oh just do it and it works because a lot of the time People assume, like you say, you look in the mirror, you say a couple, couple of affirmations, you know, I am rich, I'm a millionaire, money flows to me, and then they just crack on. You with get a check life. through the, the mail. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> not actually how it works. 
the words are just there to support and you know very much like your thoughts and your words create your emotion and your behavior is driven by emotion and your behavior your daily behavior literally is your reality is your life so that's why affirmations work because you're using your words to create a feeling within you that drives behavior that then creates your reality so if you are reminding yourself you know money is easy to make money flows i'm a good money manager and affirmations like that that are really rooted in like positivity around money but realism and it allow it basically starts to create n- new neural pathways in your brain that that possibility is a possibility and it links to the emotion so if you start to feel a certain way you are then going to act in alignment with it with what you're saying and that's the power i think of affirmations and essentially that is part of law of attraction it's that you are aligning your behavior with uh, well you're, you're sorry you're aligning your emotions with your behavior and you're going out into the world and you're making those things happen for you so you can't just say things and then sit on the sofa and kind of like just hope for the best um <laughs> sorry guys but that's not how it yeah, works sorry everybody <laughs> sorry guys. sorry to um shatter you burst your bubble but yeah it's, i'm i i think that well i love i think affirmations are, and money mantras are very very powerful and our brains are so clever like they you know they have neuroplasticity they can change they can and using the power of words is crazy especially because it's free mm-hmm. like it's not like oh sorry guys you can only like make more or get more money if you work with a coach or if you spend loads of money on a course now obviously those things are great because when you invest in yourself you learn more you but you can literally just get started with the power of words and and using affirmations um so yeah i think it's really powerful stuff amazing yeah totally agree and love that you have that nice combination like I tried to as well um and I'd love to know over the past few years so you said that um was it that you went full-time before COVID and lockdowns yeah so no I went full-time in July 2022 okay what's that like nine months ago yeah yeah nine months ago okay Um, yeah so I set that I set like I set my business up just before um and it I got furloughed because I was working a full-time job so I managed to have some time a couple of months to create content and then I started you know getting brand deals I started working with people one-to-one but I was doing it on the side and then I said to my boss like I think I'm gonna have to quit my job soon because this is starting to pick up and he was like look why don't you go part-time so I dropped down to like part-time and I did like three days work and then and then um, when it got a bit more and I quit again, he was like, well, why don't you just contract for us and you just do a couple of days? Of, like, really one- didn't want to let you go, did he? <laughs> really didn't want to let you go. I'd worked there for nine years and I, you know, I knew the company inside out. And I think if my boss had it his way, he would have made me like MD of the company, which he'd said to me a couple of times, but it's not where my heart was at. It wasn't where my passion was at. And um, yeah, like I think um, it, it, it got to July, well, just before July. And I was like, I'm so busy. I'm not giving any hundred percent either thing and it's it's not fair on my business it's not fair on them and it was time for me to go and I'd I'd saved about twelve thousand pounds um to to give me like this sort of I guess safety blanket so that in that first year of business which I'm still technically in I was able to have an emergency fund I was able to pay to live in London so that I could reinvest any money that I made back into the business and so it's been yeah massive learning curve and if anybody's listened to this is either just set up a business or is an entrepreneur you'll know like the hardships of, of running your own business I think people really glamorize it and they're like oh my god I just want to quit and work for myself and I would not change it for the world you would never catch me in a nine-to-five well never say never but that's not the plan um but it is definitely the hardest thing I've ever done 
but I found with mine, so I only, when I was studying nutrition, I was just working part-time at Sainsbury's and I was only doing 16 hours a week. So just a few hundred a month I was earning. And I was so scared because I was building up my clients on the side. I was so scared to make that leap and leave that yeah. job. But I actually found that leaving it, it just like catapulted my income, just yeah. going all in Amazing. and just trusting myself. So maybe a little bit of that energy, um, universe support yeah. aspect of it as well. Oh, I think that's the thing as well. Like I'm very much a believer that, you know, that that, that your actions are are showing your willingness, your motivation. And and, yeah, and I think that is that. Yourself. Yeah. And I think there's a balance, isn't there, between like not being, I don't want to say stupid, but, you know, like really not thinking it through and making a really rash decision. I'm just quitting my job and hoping mm. for the best. If you've got, you know, no evidence that you've made money before, no, like there's got to be a bit of a transition period, but some people are better off like jumping and just, you know, sink or swimming. Some people are better off setting themselves up. And like I say, I was the same. I was so scared to quit my job because I was like, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been a crazy journey, but it's been been very rewarding it's great so with lockdowns and covid and the recession and all of the talks of the financial crash what do we need to know from like the past few years and what's to come over the next few financially for the for the yeah. world mm-hmm. do you know what i think the the thing that i think people have realized the most is that if you're in your sort of 20s 30s i don't think you really fully felt the the last sort of recession that we had right like I think our probably parents did um whereas like well I guess for me I'm 29 but like I was too young to fully understand and it wasn't making money I just knew that we were in a recession whereas like now you know with inflation at really high and like things costing more money it's the first time where I'm like wow like things are more expensive you know I'll go to Sainsbury's to do a shop and I'll be like oh things are more expensive right and I think that lessons that have been learned over the last few years is like understanding like especially you are whether you're in a nine-to-five or whether you're self-employed like no one's job is safe you know I had friends that were literally like couldn't have ever imagined that their job would be um in jeopardy and then COVID happened and they were like oh my god I, I might get made redundant and I think people realize the sort of I guess flippant nature of it and the importance of having an emergency fund managing your money properly and not just living month to month because if you live month to month you have absolutely no financial security and we do live in a world where we need money and that's just a fact and unless you are going to go and live off of the land you know completely off grid um which you know some people choose to but if you want to be a, if you want to partake in society, you do need money to pay for things and understanding that and going, that's okay. That's part of being an adult. So what do I need to do to set myself up for success? And I think we, you know, consumerism and social media make impulse spending and and, and make you feel like you just constantly need to spend money on yourself, bettering yourself, new things that everybody else has. So I think really learning and taking that from, I guess, the last few years of, the power of having money saved aside for emergency situations and just yeah like I say the lack the the reduction of stress that that can bring um and I think that's definitely something that we've probably learned from the last last few years for sure and I think moving forwards I'm I'm very much a advocate and you know I'm very passionate about helping people invest and learning how to actually grow their money as opposed to just having it sat there and I have absolutely no clue what the future holds like I don't know financially one minute is we're in a recession the next Mm. we're not one minute inflation is going up then it's going down and I I don't really read the news that much as somebody who is even in the finance space like 
Same. I think there's a lot of yeah I just think there's so much fear mongering and it's like oh my god this has gone out oh my god and I'm like or how about we just focus on what we can do in the now how we can protect ourselves and have a nice time and I know there's probably a level of naivety in there but I think that the news is always the news always comes across as bad and what I definitely noticed over the last probably year or so is there's been you know all this up and down and it's in the news so much you have people coming to me who are worried about money who probably wouldn't have been as worried before, but then when I sit down and maybe go through their finances with them or whatever, they actually don't have anything to worry about. Their job is, you know, they've got a bit of an emergency fund, they're saving, or, you know, they're, they're what, not much has changed. The only thing that's changed has been their, their financial mm-hmm. anxiety, their mindset towards yeah, it because of what they're being fed. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just really good to be aware what environment you're in, what are you reading, who are you around, who's on your social media feed, because it's very much like what you feed yourself is how you're going to then view certain situations. And it's important to, I guess, be very conscious and aware of um, of those things. I actually read that the most millionaires are actually made during recessions, which I found very interesting because mm. people are like scared of investing during that time. So people who don't read the news maybe listen to the news they take a, a jump during that time and yeah. they get all of the good deals and everything and they ended up like coming off better yeah and I think if you understand investing in the stock market so I run this little course called uh the feel good investor which is talking about the practical and the emotional side of investing and teaching you how to invest in the stock market because when I learned I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? And especially as females, you get left out of the conversation. So I was like, no, I need to teach people how to do this. And you learn that financially during a recession or a a downward time in the economy, if you have available funds to invest, so, you know, you still get your job, you're still spending roughly the the same amount, if you don't understand the stock market and people usually go, oh, I'm not going to invest, it's a bad time to invest. But really what you're viewing it as is actually everything's on sale. Mm. All the stocks, they're on sale because they're they're valued at lower at the moment because of the economy. But if you've got the money and you're a long-term investor, which I am, then you would actually, which is obviously what these people have done, is you actually invest your money and you're, 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 you're essentially game for the long term. Um, but yeah, you've got to kind of understand and know more about it to, to kind of fully understand that. But there are definitely people who have capitalised on this time and are going to continue to do so and are definitely going to come out better off in years to come. So what is the difference between just saving? Like, it's good that someone's saving mm-hmm. to begin with, but saving in your Halifax savings account versus saving in terms of investments. And should so- we do in- be doing both? So when you save, you are basically putting aside money, holding on to it to use it at some point to spend, right? You're just It's just a holding place. When you invest money, you are buying something. You are saving, but it's buying something. That could be property, it could be stocks, it could be gold, whatever it is, in the hope that in the long run, you are making a profit. Now, the reason why this is important is because Every year we have inflation. So the cost of services and goods go up every year. So we say to people like, when you were 10, do you remember how much a Freddo was? It was like 20p. Now a, a Freddo is like a pound. No. Or the same <laughs> item. It's crazy. That's inflation. That's how we measure it. Yeah, it's always in Freddo's. <laughs> always. I don't even eat Freddo's. I don't like chocolate, but still, uh, it's a good measurement. And so what that means is if you are holding your money in cash, and I don't mean cash under the mattress, I mean cash in a savings account, so it's liquid cash as opposed to it being tied up in investments. 
that money is losing its buying power every single year. Because let's just say for argument's sake, you've got a thousand pounds set in your savings account today. And that thousand pound could buy you, you know, a, a trolley of a hundred items. That's roughly. You get to the next year and you've got that thousand pounds sat there. Let's say inflation was, you know, 4%, but savings was only at 2%. Even though you've made a bit of interest, inflation was higher than the savings rate. So that £1,000, the year before would have got you 100 items, but would only get you 99 items. So it's not that you lose physical money, but it's that that money depreciates and you it loses its buying power. So the more that you're holding on to that money, the more you're losing its buying power. Now, saving is important, but the point of investing is that you are beating inflation because you want to try and invest into something that makes a higher return than inflation. So you're, you're trying to beat inflation. And you want to be doing both at the same time because with saving, it's for you know things that you probably need within the next couple of years. That might be a house deposit, you're buying a new car, you're going on holiday and, you know, things that you're not necessarily going to pay out of one paycheck, but it happens within the next few years. Investing is for the long term. And I'm talking 15, 20, 30 years. It's for retirement. It's for your third property. It's for, you know, when you when you want to retire, whatever that, whatever that age is. And it's very long term. And I always say there is no get, it's not get, a get rich quick scheme. So if anything, if anybody contacts you on Instagram, if you read anything that's like, this is how you make money quickly in investing, ignore them because- I was going to say, actually, my my um, boyfriend followed you today because I said that mm. you're coming on the podcast and he searched an account and it was a fake account for you. Yeah. So I get I was like, reports and it had like 8,000 followers. Uh, so I was like, is I it- yeah, they just buy followers. It's so infuriating because yeah. the reason why they do it, and this is probably good to actually just mention, but the reason why they do that is because I am trusted in the finance space. Mm. You know, I'm talking about money. And so therefore they use my profile, my pictures, they steal everything. And then they contact my followers and go, hey, I can help you make money. Just give yeah, me it's like, how's details. the trading going? Yeah. Oh, God. It's so <laughs> I was like, I don't even know Laura, but I know she wouldn't like cold DM someone, something like that. I literally had a friend message me and go, hey, Laura, I just need to check. Is this you? Because I'm not sure. I was like, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it has so been yeah, reported. Just... I just wanted to remind you before I forgot. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, if anybody here um, goes and follows me after, anybody yeah. else that follows I'll put the me, Correct links in yeah. the show notes. Don't worry. Save yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, day trading, which would be, and I'll give you an example. You are trading on the stock market. So you buy a stock, so like a stock of Apple, when it's low, and then you sell it when it's high and you make a profit. So it's a bit like the difference between buying a property and staying in it for like 10 years and letting the value grow versus like buying and flipping a house. Mm. With day trading, you're essentially buying and flipping stocks. The issue with that is it's made out like it's this amazing thing. You can make loads of money, but stats out there is something crazy like 93% of day traders lose money. So that couple of percent that you see, it's a combination of luck. And they're probably also like in some kind of pyramid scheme where they're making it off of other people. Um, but yeah, it's it's pe- people love the idea. You know, we live in a world where there's so much convenience. It's like you go on Amazon, you can get something the next day. It's like building wealth is slow and silent. Mm. It's not something that's like happens quick and is in your face. So really understanding that investing is for the long term. Now, the problem with that is people don't like thinking that far, far into the future. They're like, oh, that's an older me problem. I'll deal with that when I'm older. But the issue is by the time you're older and you actually start thinking about it, you've lost out on all these years that you could have been investing and growing your money. And when you are in the stock market for a really long time, you get something called compound interest, which is where your money basically just multiplies and you end up with like free money, basically. And 
the most important thing isn't how much you're investing it's how long you're investing for so the sooner you start the better and yeah these are just the things that i think are really important to know so you know you know which one should i be doing right now which one is more important which one is you know and, and they're both just as important for different reasons and i talk loads about this on my instagram i've got loads of different posts on it if you want to check it out but um yeah they're both important the, the, the most well-known one is saving but investing gets left out the picture mm-hmm. quite a lot of the time i know it's crazy that we're not taught anything like this at school yeah why are they teaching us pythagoras and all <laughs> these crazy things like i've never used that in my life yeah, and like obviously not to be all like conspiracy theorist about it, but I do think that there is a reason why they don't teach. Yeah, they don't want us to know. It's it's a form of control. So yeah, me and uh, my financial influencer friends are out here doing the Lord, the Lord's work. Mm. <laughs> what do you think about the whole um, like I don't know how to explain it, but like focusing more on cash as opposed to like online banking. Uh... So we have more control. So could they say like build they'll know everything that you're doing then they'll know everything that you're buying the government will track you and it's good to have cash and pay paying cash my issue with that is that a not everywhere accepts cash right Mm. years ago they did but now it's so hard it's like only card only card only card they're tracking us anyway our phones are literally bugged they know what we're going on online they know who we're talking to on socials they you know i've literally got an alexa and it's on right now and i and it just lit up because i said its name do you know what i mean like we're already being tracked and i think changing you know not um get, getting money out in cash and just doing that is such a small portion of our data that really i don't i don't think the benefit outweigh the, the cons okay. of doing it do you know what I mean yep. that's my yeah, personal yeah. opinion um I don't think we should ever you know we're headed towards cashless society and I don't think that should ever happen because that really does fuck up the people at the bottom um but yeah I think I think it's one of those things where they've got our bloody data anyway mm. so they're just yeah, finding another way control. to go yeah okay yeah good to know one of my favorite ways to support detox are castor oil packs they are an old school naturopathic remedy which can gently help to open up detox pathways and process toxins like mold and environmental pollutants that many of us are exposed to. Signs of sluggish detox pathways or a high toxic load include headaches, bad breath, puffiness, histamine reactions, skin breakouts, and more. You could always try and make your own castor oil pack like I tried to for some years, but more recently, other amazing practitioners have created really convenient kits that just make the process way easier. They come with a tie-around pack that you can put over your liver, which is under the right rib, or to support more premenstrual issues like pelvic pain. You can tie the pack around your lower abdomen instead, so they're pretty versatile. My top recommendations are the Casta Vida pack on Amrita Nutrition if you're in the UK or Europe, whereas if you're in the US, there's the Queen of Thrones pack by Dr. Marisol. Both of these are linked in my Instagram bio and in this podcast show notes. If you want to learn more about the benefits and the science, I actually interviewed Dr. Marisol. So you can check that out on episode 133 of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. And I really hope you love them as much as I do. But let's get back into the episode. Um, And yeah, back to the savings and investment um, chat. Where do we start? So are there like apps that we're looking for? Is it like a website? Do we need to go to a financial advisor to be able to actually start putting money in? Because you said the, the sooner that you do it, the better. But 
and people listening know probably like, right what do I do now <laughs> yeah so basically when I found out about investing I had about 20,000 pounds sat in a bank account because after I'd saved that money and gone traveling I came home got my job back I moved to London and then I saved another 25 grand and it was sat there in cash and I was like winning I've got so much money and I went on a date and this guy was like you do know that you're losing the buying power of your money. You should be investing. And that's that was my first like insight into it. And I spent probably a good year reading, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, learning from, you know, reading articles, all of that, until I actually felt confident enough to first get investing. And the one thing I will say is it's the finding the fine line between you do need to go out there and educate yourself because you need to know what it, what investing is, what all of the words mean, what impact it has for you. So reading books, depending on how you like to learn books, videos, podcasts, there's so much out there. Um, but then also finding that balance of, of I know enough now to actually get started. And that's where the course, the mini course that I created was for. It was basically me taking all of the information that I knew and putting it into um, these workshops whereby I'm giving you the information that you need to know to get started without overwhelming you with too much. Um, so it really, yeah, it depends on how you like to learn. And But there are some amazing apps that you can get started with, like Moneybox, Nutmeg, Plum. They basically invest for you. So you tell them what your risk is and then they do the rest. Um, or if you want to do it yourself and you want to have a bit more autonomy over it, a bit more control, then there's obviously different platforms. But yeah, you want to go out and kind of really like educate yourself first on what investing is and and kind of how to get started. Um, and, you know, there are some amazing books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Vestpod, Girls That Invest, you know, loads of different places that you can go to learn. Um, yeah, to get started. But the key thing is definitely like self-education around that. And I think a lot of what holds people back is this belief that like investing isn't for them and investing is for rich people, but it's how the rich got rich. And I was going to say. By investing. Yeah. That's the secret. So, literally. Mm. And you said before that your future investments can be put towards your pension. So you're like saving for the, the long term, not just like the, the next five years. Yeah. Would you also recommend, I'm just thinking, if I'm self-employed and I do have another private pension, would you recommend that as well? Or could someone just do it all in a long-term yeah. um, long investment? So there, there, there's pros and cons to pension versus sort of investment. So anybody listening, whether you have a private pension or whether you have a workplace pension, if you have a pension, you're already an investor because your money is being invested in the stock market. And if you are a 95R, I would 100% recommend... Uh, enrolling in your auto uh, in your workplace pension because it's free money because your your company like top up with a certain percentage and it's such a good way to build your pension pot for retirement for the future now if you're self-employed or you're freelance or or you're director of your own business and you've got a private pension the good thing about having a private pension is that you are obviously getting tax relief on it um so that yeah you're not you're not paying tax you just you pay tax at the point of you're pulling it out when you're older however you are beholden to the state pension age which I think is like 62 um and that means that you can only access that oh no it's 65 sorry Mm. and by the time we're older and you look roughly the same age as me so like 28 35 there we go um Um, so like 35 years basically by the time we get to 65 the the state pension age is probably going to have gone up maybe 68 69 state pensions also probably won't be around so people just assume 
that, oh, it's all right, the government will look after me. They won't because state pensions are going to stop at some point. So you have to have your own money saved. And um, so, yeah, with, with, with having a, an actual pension like account, you get tax relief. But you have to wait until you are of the pension age to get the pension. The good thing about investing in a just investing yourself in like a stocks and shares ISA on a on a platform like that is that it is kind of like an easy access account in the way of you can withdraw that money at any point. So there's this movement called the FIRE movement, which is financially independent, retire early. So it's a group of people that basically work insanely hard with like within a short period of time they've got multiple jobs and they're literally saving and investing like 70 percent of their paycheck but with and they're investing in the stock market with the plan to retire way before the retirement age so that you've got people who are retiring in their like 30s and 40s and i don't really like using the word retiring because i think it's a bit archaic but basically not being uh you're you're not a slave to work because right now i run my business and i love my business i love what i do but i still have to do it I still have to make money because if I don't, I can't afford to live in London. I can't afford to pay my bills. At the moment, you are financially independent when you are no longer essentially relying on a job. You've got enough money invested that your money is just growing passively in, a, in an investment account and you no longer need to work. So you've got these people that are doing this, they're building their money up and they're retiring in their like 30s and 40s. So really it's about asking yourself, what is it I want for my life? When do I want to be able to retire? Do I want to be able to retire early? What time do I want to become financially independent? And asking yourselves those questions about the future is going to be really important and it is going to help you. Um, but yeah, pensions and stocks and shares ISAs have, have both have their own place for um, yourself in, in your financial situation. And my, my dad's pretty good with finances. So I've been lucky with that. And I was doing a lot of work on money mindset, but I don't think it actually came from my parents, which is like less common. Usually mm. it's what's happening in the household. So I don't actually remember my parents fighting about money or um we obviously like weren't really poor but we didn't have a ton of money but they were pretty good at saving and the landlords so they've got like multiple different properties and I was just asking them and I had a financial advisor as well in terms of investing in property whether that's still these days worth it yeah because I saw my parents as well so they would buy like pretty rundown places and then flip them and then love that sell them, um eventually but I just saw it absolutely knacker them up in terms of like doing all yeah. of the work themselves. So yeah. it's good that he probably saved a ton of money doing that. But yeah. yeah, is it still a good thing? I know that it's individual to the person, but. Yeah, I think I've got a bit of a different opinion on this personally. So in the UK, we've got this real thing about buying property, right? About owning your own house. When are you going to own your own house? When are you going to own your own house? You go to like Europe, Germany, Switzerland, barely anybody owns the house. Everyone rents. Obviously, you've got landlords, but it's so much more common. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. And property can be an amazing investment. And obviously, there's two types, right? You've got the property that you live in, which then you are paying the mortgage and further down the line, you've paid it off. And then that's an asset that you own that can be sold further down the line. And then you also have investment in property, like you say, where you're like short term rentals or you're flipping and, and flipping and selling. Now, taxes have changed quite a lot within the last few years around landlords and owning like second properties and buy to let properties. So it can be more expensive. But when it comes to just generally owning property as an investment back in like the 60s, I think it was, house prices were 3.5 times higher than the average salary on average. So that's where the like the mortgage idea came from. Well, not idea came from, but you know, I mean, it was the, now if you try and get a mortgage, it's about three to four times your salary, right? 
That made sense in the 60s. Mm. Now, in the 2020s, house prices on average across the UK are 9.5 times higher than the average salary. So the salaries haven't increased in alignment with house prices. Mm -hmm. So our parents, it was so much easier for them to get on the property ladder. Whereas now for us, it's such a harder option, which is why investing in the stock market is such a great, I guess, potential for building wealth. Now, if you are someone and and everything makes um, or everything has a... Uh, financial and an emotional part when it comes to to the decision so some things make financial sense and some things make emotional sense so for some people they've always wanted to own their own house you know like they imagined how they'll decorate it they imagine having their family in there and maybe it doesn't make financial sense but on an emotional level it's like yeah you should save and buy your house and and in the long run it'll be a good investment but I think we get pushed out of school into work and we get told you should be saving for a property and I have a lot of friends that you know skimp and they, they can't do certain things like Sorry, same for a house. And then they end up in a house and they can't really afford and then they still can't really do anything. And I know a lot of people have been in poopy situations because of that. And there's no 100% way to know what's right or wrong. But I think renting is very demonized in our society. And I think you need to really understand what are your goals. So for me, as a finance coach, I am not saving for a house right now. My, I guess, financial plan is I'm investing so that I hopefully have enough in my investment account that I can at some point retire on that money and I want to work and travel so I want to be able to go around the world take my business travel make money at some point maybe in my 40s late 30s I don't know I will buy a house but that's my goal and I had to really check in with myself and go what what is my goal and making sure that I'm not taking on society's version of what my goal should be so it's really just asking yourself those questions and making sure you really do the numbers because I think some people go oh it's a house deposit and solicitor's fees but then they forget their stamp duty they forget that if they're they've got to kit out the house they've got to do structural work they've got and everyone I speak to literally I don't think I've ever said met someone who hasn't said this is like buying a house was way more expensive than I thought because of all the extra costs so it's just all of those things to really be careful on Um, and if you can do it it's an incredible achievement but you just it's a big thing to do so you need to make sure that it's yours but 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 don't go oh well I don't want a house so I won't save you you Mm. need to replace it with something (laughs) else that's building your wealth and but that's my personal opinion on it yeah but we have it in our minds like it's just throwing money away with rent like Mm. why not be putting it towards that but you don't think of like the actual deposit you have to put down and all of these other fees yeah and it's like our washing machine break the other day. I didn't have to yep. do anything. I don't have to do anything in this house. And I've got the flexibility that when I'm done and I don't want to live anymore, I can move. I can go somewhere else. And like you you are paying for that convenience, I guess. And it's not for everyone. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely something. So it's food for thought. Yeah, it's nice having a, a different um, perspective as well on it. Um, What's your thoughts on crypto or Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> um, My thoughts are I invested in crypto when it first came out. Well, I invested in bitcoin and ethereum and i did it because i jumped on the bandwagon mm. right i've got a lot of financial influencer friends so i was like oh, what are you lot doing so i just did it i think i put about a thousand pounds in there it went up to about two and a half grand and i was like oh my god i make a lot of money you know i fell into the trap of making money quick and then slowly it was like going down 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 and the second it I, I, one day right i woke up and i was like i need to take my money out of bitcoin because i'm gonna lose it i don't know it was just an intuition pulled it out the next day because I did it with Coinbase which is a platform the next day Coinbase went down wow. and I was I was like oh my god I'm psychic <laughs> but, so I never lost any money but I fell into the trap of jumping on the bandwagon doing what everybody else was doing um not acknowledging what my own appetite for risk was and also Bitcoin and crypto is it's still so new right with the stock market and understanding stocks and index funds and things like that you there is years 
worth of data years so there's all this like information and i'm very much in knowledge i love stats i like numbers there's not really that on crypto it's it's been so up and down and everyone mm. thinks they're a, a bitcoin or a crypto mm. like i know you don't really hear of it anymore do you it's like very yeah. like trendy for a while and like yeah where did it go yeah and it's like yeah for me i don't care enough about it to spend time learning to figure out how to make it work in my advantage when i already know that investing in the stock market in low cost index funds tried and tested build wealth slowly happy days mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we spot like bad investments or if we use one of those apps that you mentioned do we get a say in which like companies and things that you you want to support yeah so Depends the way you do it. So if uh, earlier I mentioned about those apps, which is, uh, that's a robo-advisor. So like I said, they invest for you. You say, I'm high risk, low risk, medium risk. They invest for you. You can then see what's being invested in. And if you were like, oh, I don't want it in that, I'm sure you could change it. But if you really want to say, then you want to do it DIY. So you want to get a platform where you can do it yourself and you just get stocks and shares ISA. You open up on a certain platform and you go and you pick your investments. And the overwhelming thing is, you can invest in any company that is on the stock market, which there's freaking millions, and or index funds, which is basically like grouped collections of, of companies. And you can see what's in there. Now, I guess learning how to see, no one can predict the future. So past history of a certain stock or index fund does not predict the future or guarantee the future you can literally only make guesses um and the the more so for me i don't really like picking stocks because you've got to know so much about business like oh this was their q1 trend report mm. this might mean this for the future like yeah just because you like the the products that they offer doesn't mean that like the company is going to be doing stable well. and yeah yeah and obviously you you invest to make a profit for the long term but you also want you can you know you vote with your money so if you invest in companies that you really believe in like i don't know plant-based food companies or like really cool new um i don't know like medicinal company whatever that looks like for you you can obviously vote with your money and you're getting to put your money towards those things and you also can invest in things that are really good for the environment so like um sustainability and like um i can't remember, i think it's called esg investments so you can vote with your money and it's understanding what are my values why is it i'm investing what's important to me and it's really good to ask yourself those things and they might show up as you start investing but the more you know the more you can the more you read on it the better Okay. And then in terms of savings, I also want to talk about credit cards. Mm-hmm. How much just I'm thinking just day to day, week to week, how much should we be putting towards like fun things versus savings versus yeah, like all the different things that we need just day to day? So the hard thing about this is it's so personal, right? Because if I said we should be putting away £200 a month towards savings, if you make a £1,200 a month versus whether you make three grand yeah. a month, that £200 makes a massive, you know, for one person, it's like 20% of their salary. The other, it's like 5%, whatever it is. And so really, even, if that was wrong, I'd be like, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to maths. <laughs> I actually, we don't need to work out. I think it's actually 20 and 10%, but not the point. Um, so, yeah, you want to, I guess, two things to think about. One is what are your goals? Because if you don't know what you're saving for or you don't know what you're working towards, it's going to be really hard to know how much to put aside. And you're constantly going, am I putting away enough? 
am I putting away too much? Now, obviously, if you keep dipping into your savings on a financial logical basis, you're probably putting away too much. And the good thing about having goals is that you can say, right, I want to save, you know, £6,000 within the next year, for example. So you go, okay, so I prob- I need to be putting away £500 a month, every month for 12 months to meet my goal. Now, the good thing about having that clear goal is that you could go, is that realistic? Do I have £500 to spare? If Yes, great, I can put it away. If no, well, what can I cut back on and how can I increase my income? Or am I even willing to make a sacrifice or do I need to lessen it? So it allows you on a practical level to like figure out what you do or don't need to be doing. And then you can also just think like, so there's like the 50, 30, 20 method, which is basically 50% of your paycheck should go on needs, which is like your rent, your food, your travel, your bills. 30% should go on wants, which is socializing, going out, hobbies, you know, experiences. And then 20% should go towards goals. So savings and investments. But like I say, it's so personal. Mm. That's a nice guideline. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's more about understanding what your goals are, working backwards, and then saying, am I putting away enough to meet these goals within the time period that I want? And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have any goals, so I'm just not going to save. First of all, you want to think about having an emergency fund, which Mm -hmm. is money saved in cash, like I mentioned earlier. And the way you can work that out is asking yourself, how much does it cost to be me? What are the necessities I need every single month to live? That baseline number, you times it by six, roughly, and that will give you a six-month emergency fund. And then you can work towards saving towards that. But I always say, like, when I had that goal to go to drama school and I say £15,000, right at the very last minute, the goal changed. The purpose of that money changed from drama school to travelling. And it didn't matter well, that it changed. It, yeah. At least I had it. And if I'd have gone, oh, I don't really want anything to save, when it came around and my friend said, do you want to go travelling? The answer would have been no because I wouldn't have had anything there. So it's never, ever, ever going to be a bad thing to have money saved. But if you can also create an emotional reason, motivation for saving, it's going to make it so much easier. Something that I did was, I heard this like years ago, was um, because I have been doing investments, but I've also just got a general savings account. I like changed the name of it to like travel yeah. savings. Love that. And that really helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather than just having like everything for travel and um holidays and all of that in one place I had like different accounts for different yeah. things and it just makes yeah. it when you're like oh put a little bit here a little bit there yeah the emotional reason behind saving is is um is so powerful using stuff like that like emotion so you go if you go to dip into it you're like oh if I take money mm-hmm. out to buy this pair of trainers I'm dipping into my you know Mexico holiday yeah. fund and the more conscious you can be with that the better and using little like triggers in that respect or little anchors I like to call them is very powerful and what do we need to know about credit cards I think if you're going to get a credit card, you it's all about using them responsibly. So I'm a major fan of credit cards. I think they can be so helpful. But if you are someone who listens to this and go, oh, don't trust myself with a credit card, you need to work on your relationship with money first before getting one because it's not free money. It has to be managed in a way because otherwise what you end up doing is putting money on a credit card and then going, oh, I'll pay it off next month, or oh, I won't pay off, or forgetting about it, and then you end up in a downward spiral of mm-hmm. debt. The 0% ends, and then before you know it, you're spending loads of money on the interest. And being in debt costs money because of the interest. So if you want to get a credit card, the key things to know is that if you have, for example, a £1,000 limit, that you want to have your balance, so how much you have on that card at one point, kept to about 30 to 40%. So of £1,000, that would be three to £400. And this is really good for your credit score. And if you can put some things on it, maybe just your food shop or just your petrol or just, you know, certain things every month, 
And then you get to the end of the month, you want to always pay off your balance on time. Otherwise, you get marked down on your credit score. And ideally, paying it off in full, it, it's amazing for your it's amazing for your credit score because you can you're seen to be able to manage um, borrowing money. Now they're the two. So like I said, paying in full and paying on time because if not, you can either end up in a lot of debt that's un, you know unmanageable, and it affects your credit score. So that will affect your ability to borrow money for a mortgage, for a house. That's the same thing um, for the gym, for the phone, all you know, like phone bill, all things like that. And um, you can get some really cool credit cards. You can get ones that give, give you cash back, that give you special rewards, or you can get like travel cards where you get air miles. So I've just got back from Dubai and I knocked about £150 off of my flight costs because I've got an Amex and you get air miles. So mm. I just got an extra, I just got money off because I spend money. Uh, but what you don't want to do is fall into the trap of spending money just so you get points because then yeah. it absolutely reduces the point. <laughs> so yeah, you want to have a good money mindset first and then utilize the cards to your advantage. Okay, cool. So um, in terms of, I was going to say, in terms of debt as well, have you got any advice for people who are like massively in debt at the moment? They're listening to all this. They're like, yeah, that sounds amazing, but I just need to get myself out of this hole first. Yeah. So I think when it comes to debt, the worst thing you can do is bury your head in the sand. You want to just face up to it. And if you need a friend for support or a partner or, you know, there are some amazing debt charities like Step Change or Citizens Advice or the National Debt Helpline. But you want to sit down and understand exactly where what is going on with your debt. Who do you owe? How much do you owe? What is the you know, what is the balance? And when do you owe it by? So is it loans? Is it credit cards? Is it buy now, pay later products? Is it store cards? And just write it all down. So when you've got it in front of you, that really allows you to make decisions off the back of it. And I offer, um, I do this thing, this session with people called Becoming Debt Free. And it's like a one-off session where people fill out a spreadsheet, they send me all of what's going on with their debt. And then I create them a debt management plan based on their budget and what's going on with their money. And it will work out when they can get out of debt. And there are two different methods that you can do. One is the snowball method and one is the avalanche method. So snowball is basically, if you have loads of debt, so like, you know, credit cards and loans and store cards and it's loads of little debts everywhere. You basically order your debts in um, order of smallest balance to largest balance. So like the card that's got £38 and then the one that had 300 and the one that then has 1000 And you work out how much you can afford to allocate towards debt from your monthly budget out of your income. And you put as much, you pay off the minimum of all of them except the top one and you put as much as you can to that top one until it's gone, until you can cut that card up and you repeat mm. the process until mm. all of your debt's gone. You do the same with the avalanche method, but instead of doing smallest to largest balance, you do... Um, debt with the highest interest so this one's going to save you the most money but most the frustrating thing is that usually the one with the highest interest is the card that you've had for the longest probably got the biggest balance so it can be a bit demotivating because you feel like you're clearing loads of debt and it's taking ages but you are going to save yourself money in the long run and then what you want to do is create a plan for yourself give yourself the motivation of when you roughly think you're going to be out of debt make sure you're still giving yourself enough money in your budget to live so that you don't keep spend you know paying off a credit card going back on a credit card like you want to be realistic and and then work on your money mindset to have the belief in yourself that not only can you get out of debt but that you can stay out of debt and the sooner that you can start that journey the better off because i think we assume that if we ignore it it's just going to get better by itself but unfortunately it's not absolutely not and you mentioned credit score so what are some other things that affect credit score and how do we improve it um so i mean your credit score is basically made up of all these different things such as how long you you know how many credit how many different uh debtors you owe how much you have what is it on are you paying on time are you paying in full and it builds up this number basically 
And there's three different main companies that do it. It's Experian, Credit Score, and Equifax, or ClearScore, sorry. And they've all got a different ones out of 999, ones out of 700, ones out of 600. So they're all slightly different. But it's really just about uh, lenders being able to trust you. And if you have a crappy credit score, you can build it up by making sure that you are clearing your debt you're not getting into more debt and you're just proving that you can manage the debt that you do have. And it takes time, um, but they, it is important. It's not the be all and end all, I don't think. But I also don't think you can ignore their importance because if you want to take out debt, obviously at some point, then um, like a mortgage or whatever, then it is important to to be on top of that. Amazing. I'm just looking through the rest of my questions. Is there anything else you feel like we've missed that you no, want not to at all. add? You had a, a good conversation like I've learned <laughs> as well which is always good um and a bit of a change from the nutrition stuff but as I said like financial health mm. helps with our overall health yeah and I think you know also like understanding budgeting like people hate the word budget they're like oh it's boring it's like but like we're adults and we have money and we've got to learn how to manage it and I can guarantee like you probably listened to this maybe you've had a budget before but you struggled to stick to it or maybe you don't create a budget you're like, oh, you know budgets are for poor people but it's really just a spending plan you work so hard for your money. Why would you let your money just do what it wants? So when your money comes in, it's just telling your money where to go. And it's going to be more strict or um, specific than than some people. Some people like to just categorize it into buckets. So like that's for eating out, that's for food, that's for this. Some people like to go specific, you know, I'm going to spend this much on this day, this much on this day. But it's fine in a way that works for you. So it's a bit of trial and error. But having a budget or a spending plan is going to be the thing that is going to help you save more, help you invest more, stay out of debt or clear your debt. And it's so important. And I think that having a check-in, so I call it a money date, having a money date every single month, so sitting down with your money, going over it, figuring out how much closer to my financial goals am I? How did my budget go last month? What's going on next month is going to be key. And it's just going to help you really like improve your relationship with money. And make that like a positive experience, like have your favorite music on, have a nice drink and not have it going in like a something that you're dreading yeah probably not gonna end well (laughs) yeah it's absolutely not gonna end well make it Uh, it a nice vibe while you're doing it yeah i always say music candles pajamas Mm -hmm. tea sounds good i I used to say wine but then i was like that's a bad idea oh yeah (laughs) maybe (laughs) not (laughs) like buying like a pony or something (laughs) yeah like i was down to look at my goals but now i've just bought um 700 pounds worth of pajamas (laughs) Yeah, so do it wisely if you're going to do that. But yeah, really good, really good advice today. I have a few more questions for you personally that I want to ask before I let you go. So the first one is, um, do you have a book recommendation? So you've given some apps, obviously your course, your website, your Instagram is amazing. Is there a specific book that you like on the subject of money management, money mindset? So this actually isn't, so I mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which Mm -hmm. is a great book, was one of the ones that really like got me into like understanding wealth building. Um, but this, an, an, a non-financial one is, um, I can't even remember the, the name of it. Um, oh my God. Atomic Habits. Oh yeah, yeah. By James Clear. James, yeah. Oh, I think it's one of the best books because he talks 
even gives financial examples in there about how important it is to build like those the habits habits. stack in that's kind of like compound interest yes habits stack in yeah one yeah, percent being one percent better every day so marginal gains which also applies to finances and it's it helps you understand that life isn't just about the big things it's not just about the buying the house the you know the getting married it's about how you spend your day-to-day and the power that you have over those daily habits and then the impact that that has on the way that you live your life and i think it's just the most incredible book i love it yeah um so yeah definitely definitely recommend that and then also the psychology of money so it talks obviously i'm very much into financial psychology and the emotions of money and it talks about um well the psychology of money and it's fascinating never heard of that one that's good on my list definitely Um, what's something that you do every day to stay in hormonal harmony? So this could be something physical, mental, gym, walks outside, whatever you do, but it's a, a consistent non-negotiable. A consistent non-negotiable, I would say, or I guess I have one which is mentally, emotionally, and one which is physical exercise every day but that could be yoga it could be exercise it could be walking it could be a stretch in my room like a try and move it could be a dance like moving my body switching it up in switching it up yeah and just moving my body in some kind of way like I definitely fell into a habit where especially over lockdown and stuff where I maybe didn't move my body as much and you really feel it you feel mm-hmm. you know and being connected to your body is so important so yeah definitely that and um journaling I love journaling it's a non-negotiable for me I, you know I very rarely forget but um I every day since I was 18 pretty much have tried to journal um journal on anything some Mm -hmm. days it's a diary entry this is what I did today some days it's like (laughs) some days it's like I'm a fucking boss bitch you know it really depends but um it's very powerful stuff yeah perfect and then last one is is there a product that you couldn't live without this could be like some sort of kitchen gadget a supplement a electronic um it's actually a really hard one. I was, I was, mm, I'm trying to think what I actually use all the time. Could be your iPhone. And I was like, oh, I know that's literally so bad. I don't live without it. But I mean, probably would actually have to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I could live without my iPhone. Is that so bad? Um, oh my God, that is really bad. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. So. Yeah. But do you know what I learned? So I, I use it. I'm very good. Like I'm very, I use it to learn. I, um, I, I bet I you do some of your work and your Instagram and stuff it. from it. So we have an excuse. I take so many videos on it. I do, you know, so many different things that actually have a major like hmm. impact, I guess on an app perspective as well, it would be probably like my finance app. So like Monzo, I love Monzo because it helps me like track my finances and stuff. It's all on my iPhone. So yeah, mm-hmm. let's just go with phone. <laughs> So you need, so Monzo is more for like daily budgeting and it's not an investment app. No. Okay. It's for like spending. Yeah. Great. And then very last question, a sneaky one um, added in. Where can people find you online? So tell us more about your course and the services that you offer at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on Instagram, TikTok and LinkedIn mainly. Um, And it's, well, Instagram is uh, at Laura underscore Anne underscore more. And then the other two is just my name, Laura Anne Moore. I have a podcast called Mind, Money, Soul, which talks about the emotional, the practical and spiritual sides of money. And yeah, so the way, you know, you can work with me one-to-one if you're looking for kind of that um, level up with your finances. I've also got my Feel Good Investor course, which I'll be relaunching soon, which is going to teach you how to invest. Um, And I've also hopefully, depending on when this podcast comes out, going to be running an event at some point over Mm -hmm. summer. So nice yeah I'll, I'll be in touch i'll let you know uh-huh. when i'm estimating for release date and then we can see if it is live or if there's a wait list or anything we can put that in the show notes 
Well, this has been so good. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and you share so much more on online. So definitely go and follow Laura for more education. And there's a lot of women who listen to this podcast as well. It's mainly women. So I just think having a female voice to empower us in our finances is awesome. So thank you for your time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one consultation packages if you want my top-level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. If you're ready to change and get some answers but aren't sure which option would be best, take that first step today and apply for a free enrollment call on my website and we'll discuss the best steps for you to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.